Welcome back to the Talk Sex Podcast. This is the Jealousy and Monogamy episode. Our guest is Yana Talon-Hicks. Yana, you are a friend from the East Coast. I'm so glad to talk to you today. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We usually interact, you and I, on Instagram. Your handle is at the underscore vspot. Looks like at the vspot. Um, your website is yanatalonhicks.com. And you can find her book anywhere you buy books, which is on her website or on her Instagram links. You have a new one we're going to talk about, Hot and Unbothered. What's the full title of this book? It's Hot and Unbothered, How to Think About, Talk About, and Have the Sex You Really Want. Yay. So, And that's not specifically about jealousy, but there's probably some jealousy stuff in there. Yeah. I mean, it's mostly about like setting boundaries and communication skills and how to ask for the things that you want. And I feel like as we'll probably get into during this podcast recording, Mm -hmm. um, overlaps with jealousy for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, a little bit more about why I'm coming to you with this is I first of all think you give really good advice. (laughs) You've had a column. Yeah. Didn't you have a column in the local reader where you're at for some years? Yeah, I still technically have it, but they've reduced their, I think they only publish every other month now and they used Mm -hmm. to publish every week. Print is dying. Print is dying. COVID really got them bad, but they're definitely, I've been writing that advice column for I think 12 years now. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, I'm like, you know, they tell me to jump. I say how high. I'll Mm -hmm. do anything for them. Anything you'd like to share before we really dive in? Yeah. um, So I am a sex therapist. I primarily work with people who are non-monogamous. I also work with monogamous people, but I have a big non-monogamous percentage of my clients. I work with kinky clients. I work with the LGBTQ community. Um, I'm located on the East Coast. I live in Western Mass, but I work in Vermont. Mm -hmm. Um, I also write about sex. Like you said, I've been writing sex advice for a long time. I teach sex ed workshops. And my first book, which is Hot and Unbothered, is coming out in our timeline. It's coming out in two days. Mm. On the pod, it's like happening. It's out. Get it now. (laughs) It is out. Um, And you're also a parent. I am a parent. I have a three-year-old kid. Mm -hmm. And what else about me? I'm queer. I'm non-monogamous most of the time. (laughs) Did you used to live in Portland some years ago? I lived in Portland for eight months. It was Mm -hmm. very brief. Mm -hmm. Um, It was not my scene. (laughs) (laughs) You're good on the East Coast. I'll hold it down over here. I'm good on the East Coast. I did work at Shebop which is Portland sex toy shop, which was my favorite part of living in Portland. Mm. And I also adopted my dog in Portland and he is now 13. Yeah. And relevant because I live in Portland, Oregon. That's where I am recording uh, from right now. And yeah, so happy to know you. But I met you in person when I came to the East Coast to do training uh, for my sex educator uh, training yeah. some years ago. Yeah. But you know what? Looking back though, I think that I actually saw you dance when I lived in Portland. <laughs> Maybe which club? Do you remember? Was it? It was. I never worked. At oh, yeah. but we did go to a lot. Okay. I did work there at that time. I okay. That. We lived, I think we lived down the street from there. Yeah. Well, those two clubs are basically, some people walk to both of them. So <laughs> that makes sense. Maybe it was the same night. Yeah. yeah, I know, right? So, okay, so Hot and Unbothered, why did you choose to write this book? I mean, I feel like the book sort of chose me, honestly. <laughs> but I had been writing sex advice for a really long time, and people had always said, you should write a book, you should write a book, you should write a book. It's like, well, yeah, but like writing a book is like a huge undertaking. I think from start to finish, this whole book situation has taken four years. Mm. So... I never felt like I had the like the time or the financial bandwidth to like scrap the work I was doing in order to work on the book. Mm-hmm. And then the same week I found out that I was surprisingly pregnant with my kid, mm. um, I was approached by an agent about writing this particular book. She was just like, have you ever thought about writing a book? I found some of your stuff online and I really liked it. And I was like, well, of course I've thought about it. Like I, I'm a sex writer. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I can help you. 
like figure out how to do this for real. And it was just so helpful to have an agent that did like, you know, she helped me outline my whole proposal, which was like 80 pages and like a ton of work. And she helped me pitch the book to public. She just made it very real and accessible for me to do. Hmm. Um, We thank her. Yes. Yeah. Why you say, if you don't mind, surprisingly Mm -hmm. pregnant? (laughs) Well, I like to tell people I can't say that he was accidental because I do know how sex works. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I <laughs> hope so. People, I do yeah, yeah, know yeah. how sex works. Um, <laughs> but I was, it was just surprising that it happened. We like definitely weren't trying and we thought we were like, you know, yeah, doing the things we had to do. And it was interesting because I had wanted to have a baby for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I had had plenty of times where my period was like a couple days late and I was like, oh, maybe I'm pregnant, you know, like mm-hmm. with other people. And then the person who is now my co-parent, we had only known each other for like four months. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was surprising. Mm-hmm. And you gotcha, know, we gotcha. had a big sit down talk. We decided to commit to the kid project. And I have to say, I feel like we're actually doing a really good job at our mm-hmm. kid project commitment, but it definitely wasn't like the classic, you know, mm-hmm. we, we got married and then we planned this baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like hearing that it was a commitment to the kid project because I think a lot of people don't understand that it's the kid project and not the you yes. project. Once there's it's a, a kid. big project, it's, it's a, a big, big one. Yeah, I mean, there's a yeah. lot of things about it that I definitely was very surprised by. That like I was like, oh, okay, this is this is babies. Oh, <laughs> like having one, like it's different. Yeah. It's so different than when yeah. you don't. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, like, oh shit. Okay. <laughs> so you've had a lot of different relationship models and styles. I think is also yes. why you know a lot. Yeah. So. Back to jealousy, your clients, you said you have a lot of non-monogamous clients, but mm-hmm. a lot of people in culture are just monogamous or raised that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know that. So when I did a previous episode with Dr. Julie Hamilton, who we love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I and so that. Yeah. So that was the jealousy and uh, non-monogamy episode. I believe. Talk about knowing about babies. <laughs> yeah. She's like t- eight, ten um, children. Yeah. So then someone said, you know, I liked that episode. It was useful for me. But as a monogamous person, it wasn't for me. And I'm like, oh, OK. So that's why I reach out to you, because I feel like both of you are helpful um, about jealousy in general. But I wanted to try to take a monogamous lean uh, because you did just write a big book that I think a lot of monogamous people are going to read. Totally. Yeah. Yes. So are there common questions related to jealousy that you notice for monogamous couples? Or like any que- questions that they have? Yeah. Questions or themes or conflicts that come up. Mm. Yeah. Well, so I want to say too, like, because I've t- outed myself as someone who is non-monogamous a lot of the time, I'm definitely monogamous sometimes too. <laughs> um, and a lot of my clients are non-monogamous. And the the take my perspective is that there's actually not a whole lot that divides monogamous relationships from non-monogamous ones Hmm. in the sense of the kind of work we do in sessions with couples and individuals Hmm. around how you relate to people and how you um, resolve and navigate conflict. Hmm. I think a lot of the skills are actually very, very similar. And I always tell my clients, like, no matter what kind of relationship you're in on the spectrum of non-monogamous to monogamous, right, whether you're like clopin or openish or like full-blown polyamorous with your polycule or totally Mm -hmm. monogamously married for 20 years, like Mm -hmm. your relationship has the potential to be healthy, unhealthy, somewhere in the middle, challenging, easy, like trust can be broken in any style of relationship. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I try to like help people kind of get in that neutral mindset so that I feel as a therapist, like I can utilize all the tools and skills that I have and that I don't have to divide them into this is for monogamous people and this is for non-monogamous people. Mm, I like that. Right. And you said, so a lot of the work that you do focuses on how to relate to and resolve conflict. Yes. 
Because usually when people are coming in for help, what's happening is that they've hit some kind of a repetitive cycle that they have tried to resolve on their own, usually over a long period of time and usually in several different methods. And they don't have the answer has not been found. And so they're Mm -hmm. basically phoning a friend or coming Mm -hmm. in for therapy to be like, do you have any other ideas? Because we are totally stuck. Mm, Okay. So I asked my listeners and some of my social media audience, I said, how do you struggle with partner related jealousy? Mm. And then a second question, how do you manage or overcome it? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read and you are so welcome and encouraged to react. Someone says, I need time alone to think about what's really bothering me. Okay, so time alone. Someone else says, if it's a legit problem, I confront it. If it's a weird passing feeling, I throw it away. That's very mindful. Someone else says, when we are having trouble, I approach them with gratitude and I remind myself that I wouldn't want them feeling the way I feel. Someone says, I acknowledge my feelings. I breathe. I choose an activity to prevent my brain from overthinking in that moment, specifically about jealousy. Mm. Yeah, this is kind of reminding me of, um, I made this little like flow chart Mm. uh, for one of my workshops about non-monogamy, but again, I think it applies to monogamy for sure. But it's a flow chart about jealousy and how to have like a jealousy gut check. Because I think like when you're, the responses that you got on your Instagram, they kind of vary between like, is my jealousy founded or unfounded? Right. Mm -hmm. That's sort of like the first question. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because if you're somebody that has a background of trauma or a background of somebody repeatedly lying to you or gaslighting you, or even if you have like anxiety, it can be easier to take cues from your partner and, and translate them into distrust or unease or a reason to feel jealous or nervous about what they're doing, you know, Mm. because I think to me, I guess I'm linking jealousy and trust together a lot because I think there's something about jealousy that like kind of feels like if, if you had total trust in that person that they weren't going to like cheat on you or like do something that wouldn't Mm -hmm. be essentially holding the candle for your relationship, even when you weren't there to Mm -hmm. witness it. Mm -hmm. I feel like jealousy gets a little bit easier if the trust is there. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) And so I think that like when we're thinking about like jealousy flow chart, the first step is like, okay, is my jealousy rooted in reality and this person and our relationship and our track record or is my jealousy rooted in something that happened in my past that is totally legit but isn't actually applicable to this current scenario like Mm. essentially are my warning bells going off because of like a fire that happened Mm -hmm. three years ago or is like my relational house actually on fire Right. That's yeah. kind of like an extreme. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, it's something. It's definitely. It makes me think of a Clementine Morgan Zine, "Love Without Emergency." I think is uh-huh. what it is. Yeah, and I think that's specifically for anxious attachers. Um, which I think is yeah. kind of yeah, kind of what we're talking about. Where it's like if you're having a jealousy or a fear reaction, like you know, fear of losing your partner, um, then like yeah, is this because all of my other partners? lied to me and, you know, hurt me? Or is it because I'm just having this reaction? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, and it's really hard too, because I'm somebody that has anxiety for sure. And I find like, I I call it gaslighting myself. (laughs) (laughs) Because when you're like, oh, you know, trust your gut. It's like, well, my gut thinks like everything bad is going to happen because I have anxiety. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My gut has anxiety. Mm -hmm. So like, how do I trust my gut if like, I don't actually really trust her, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. 
So I think part of that is thinking about, and I talk to my clients about this a lot too, which is like, okay, well, let's play this out. Like you're jealous because maybe you're scared that, I don't know, your boyfriend is interested in his coworker. And so you're jealous of this coworker. You're like, you don't like something, like something about it is just like not your jam. Okay, like play it out. Let's say he does have a thing for his coworker. What does that say about you? And what is it about that thing that says about you that feels like scary or familiar or like some sort of message? Because I think a lot of people, when you're thinking about jealousy related to like potential infidelity or even just potential flirting at work, Mm. that jealousy is really rooted in the fear of feeling foolish. Like Mm. you feel like you've been like unaware or like you've been... I don't know, closing your eyes to the truth or like you feel dumb, you know, like so many people that have been cheated on feel foolish, Mm -hmm. tricked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so if you play that out, you're like, okay, like, is there a way to look at jealousy and infidelity in a different light where the person that's experiencing being lied to or tricked isn't like a fool who should have known better? they're a human being who was susceptible to somebody manipulating them. Mm. Like that's on the manipulator. That's not on the person receiving the manipulation. Mm-hmm. I, this is interesting. So for me, cause I, we're all different, unique, you know, flowers. Um, I, yeah, I get, I experience jealousy. I've been in so many different relationship models too. I live a couple hours away from my only sex partner that I'm currently having by choice, um, which is really different than how my life was a few years ago. And something I realized that I said to him is I said, I, first of all, I I don't ever advertise who my partners are because they deserve privacy and I have Mm -hmm. a public account and you do too. And you might know what that's like. Um, And then secondly, I don't want to hear from people who have opinions about other things you've done or, (laughs) you know, like, honestly, like I don't want to hear any bad news. So I'm kind of afraid. I'm kind of afraid. And I think Mm. it's that I might look stupid or foolish. I might look foolish, you know, or like had the wool pulled over my eyes. If someone was doing stuff I didn't know about, Um, it can be, yeah, it feels like a really strange feeling like anyone who's listening if they ever found out their partner was like maybe having an affair or cheating on them and maybe all of their friends knew or all their coworkers knew i don't understand why but that feels like such a shitty embarrassing feeling mm-hmm. yeah no i don't like being the last to know business that's my business true true <laughs> that's true. not a good feeling at all true but you know but i think part and not to get very like um you know, I don't know, broad strokes about it. But like, a lot of this is about like, patriarchy, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, where it's kind of like, oh, poor little lady, like, didn't see it coming or whatever. And the dude gets like, no ramifications. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that patriarchal flavor can apply to queer relationships, too, because like queer relationships do exist within a patriarchal world. So we're all sort of working against that in like a structural sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so it's kind of like, I don't know, it's interesting to me as we're talking about this, like the different flavors of jealousy, right? So like when I talk about jealousy with non-monogamy, it's very sort of like upfront and on the table that like, yeah, you're, let's just say you have, it's like a dyadic primary partnership and they're seeing other people. It's like, yeah, your partner is literally going out and dating and sleeping with other people. Like, yep, that is happening. Mm -hmm. And so like there, the jealousy feels very attainable because you can be like, yeah, I'm jealous of this thing that's going on. (laughs) Like, here's the thing. And I feel like in a monogamous situation, it's sort of like all theoretical Mm. or something. Mm -hmm. Like, what if this happens? Yeah. Or maybe has nothing to do with infidelity. And that's just something that I'm so used to talking about. So someone, okay. So the question again, I asked my listeners and followers, how do you struggle or yeah, how do you struggle with partner related jealousy? How do you overcome it? So someone says, I imagine the quote worst case scenario, i.e. they leave me. Mm -hmm. And then I realize I'll still be okay. Mm -hmm. That's a 
That's a um, cognitive behavioral therapy technique. Hmm. And it's basically, essentially, you play it out in your head. So you'll be like, what's the worst case scenario? How would you feel about the worst case scenario in one week, two weeks, six months, one year, five years, 10 years, and play it out that way. And then you think about what is your best case scenario? And then what do you think is the most likely case scenario? Hmm. Very interesting. I like that. I really liked your... Oh God, what was it called? Explicit permission, your zine about. Oh my zine, that that was the basis of the book. Yeah, explicit permission. Mm -hmm. What was the rest of it called? That I think that was it. Yeah, it was a zine about consent, and you had some flow charts in there. Yeah, you said one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the book is essentially just like the grown-up big kid version of that zine. Oh, that zine was so helpful. Okay, so everybody go to yanatalonhicks.com. So the book is hot and unbothered. I don't think I ever I don't think I ever answered your first question. Oh yeah. All right, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks what for reminding me. It? What was it? I don't even remember. But okay, but hang on, before I confuse myself further, we're talking about people feeling jealous of other people, right? Like they yes. like there's something about like is the infidelity theme like, is that real? Is that what we're talking about? Or am I just making that up? <laughs> I guess. Well, so it's the jealousy and monogamy episode. Okay. And, so you know, some people are jealous about their partner, like looking at other like pictures right. of other people. Or porn. You know? Porn. Um, you know, what could that be? Messaging a coworker, like sharing memes mm-hmm. outside of work, you know? Yes. Yeah. Like there's so many things that could be jealousy. And I think that's I don't know. Again, from a harm reduction lens, like I just try to come to my partner honestly and be like, hey, I'm attracted to other people sometimes. And it's normal for you to be attracted to other people sometimes. Like Mm -hmm. if you do something outside of the relationship, it will hurt me and I'll perhaps find about it down Mm -hmm. the road. And that's probably not the best course of action. So if you want to hook up with someone else, like I would appreciate if you tell me beforehand Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I've just been lied to too many times. Um, And in my case, I've always presented the option of like, hey, we can be open. And then I have found that some people didn't like communicating directly. It was more fun or exciting for them to actually go behind my back. And Mm -hmm. that was a power trip. Hmm. So, I mean, I literally looked face to face with someone who I thought I'd been dating. And he said to me, I manipulate women for fun. Uh. Yes. (laughs) He said, I'm good at it. And it's fun for me. He said, I don't have a lot of hobbies, but I like making women fall in love with me. I and I told my therapist and she's like, I wish you had a hidden camera to record oh, this. What a case study. And I was like, yes. yeah. So there's a difference between like I have been gaslit and triggered yeah. and like traumatized by people who manipulate for fun versus me and my partner. We hurt each other, but we don't know how to talk about jealousy, yeah, which right. eventually will come up. Okay. I have more things to talk about now. I'm thinking about a specific couple that I'm working with. And we just recently talked a lot about trustworthiness and lie inviting behavior. Hmm. Yeah. What is lie inviting behavior? Okay. So here's the flip side of jealousy, I think, right? So let's say we have a couple. One person struggles with feeling a lot of jealousy. The other person isn't just like chilling, like not having any ramifications about that, Mm. right? Like your jealousy does affect your partnership. And so your partner feels untrustworthy. They feel like you don't trust them, which is also an exhausting place to be. Mm. And so when I'm working with couples who are working on lowering jealousy and building trustworthiness, I really like to ask them, what is trustworthy behavior to you? Because all different couples are going to have all different standards of what that is. Hmm. So like it could be um, like you were saying earlier, like how often or what kind of messages do you send that like flirty coworker when you're not at work? Is that untrustworthy behavior or is that considered within the bounds of trustworthiness for your partnership? Some relationships are like, yeah, like if you like fantasize about this person that you see on a regular basis, like just tell me, like fantasize away, just tell me and don't act on it. (laughs) Some people consider watching porn to be cheating and other people don't. And like Mm -hmm. the point is, is like you and your partner need to know what the boundaries are of your relationship so that you can trust each other to hold those boundaries. And if you have different ideas of what that boundary is, it's going to be all out of whack. 
Mm-hmm. I try to um, acknowledge how common jealousy is in like everyday life. Mm-hmm. And something that I have noticed is I've heard from people that feel uncomfortable when their partner just like follows other people on Instagram mm-hmm. and they might be adult content creators. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, like, oh, my partner sees these sexy pics of people on their feet all the time and it makes me uncomfortable. And it's like, Okay, as someone who's been the sexy person in the feed, like they're working. <laughs> but also mm-hmm. I was laying in bed with my newer, you know, boyfriend of the last year and we're scrolling, scrolling on our phones, and we both interact with people we've fucked and dated, like all the time, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see in his feed, like there's like a hot girl selfie thing. And I know him now enough to know that like when his thumb scrolls faster, he doesn't want me to see like <laughs> <laughs> so like so we're laying in bed and like I, it like pauses for a second in between the thumb swipe and I see the hot sexy thing. And for a second, my chest was like, like, what the fuck? Like, who is that? Like, that's how deep jealousy runs, even in someone like me mm-hmm. who's been on monogamous and in the industry and works in the sex industry. And then I like took a deep breath and I was thinking, oh, yeah, duh. I post pictures like that all the time. Like it's my right. three times a week. How would I feel if some girl is laying in bed feeling angst right now because her boyfriend scrolled past one of my work selfies? fucking relax relax l <laughs> right and i said something like oh that's a nice tattoo how it peeks out of her underwear and he was like uh-huh you know <laughs> so like that right there could have been a whole scene where someone be like who's that yeah you know? and it's okay to ask who's that but i had to check myself and like i'm normal you're normal people who feel shit like this you're normal well and you're kind of talking about you know like the the old saying name it to tame it Mm. I think people often feel like a second layer of shame on top of their jealousy. So By like naming it. Well, no, no. I mean, so they don't name it. They don't name it because they're like, oh, it's shameful to feel jealous. Yes. So instead of saying like, oh, like I saw this hot person, like, did you guys used to date? Like, oh, I feel kind of jealous. And then you can, like, uh, address that, you know, instead of being, like, I feel jealous and I'm going to stuff it down and say nothing and just, like, ruminate about it and, like, wonder, you know, instead of being a little more upfront. And also, like, having your partner help you navigate jealousy. You can ask your partner to help you. Mm-hmm. And they can say, yes, no, or I can do part of that, but not all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're like, I feel jealous, what would really help me right now is if you could tell me a few things about what you love about dating me, your partner can be like, yeah, of course, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, or they can be like, I can't do that right now. <laughs> yeah. Some people don't. Again, some people do not communicate like that and they don't do verbal affirmations and they don't mm-hmm. know how. And especially if they're of avoidant bonding or I don't know the language, then that might flood them and that might be really overwhelming. But you can ask. A lot of people will be totally glad to be approached that way. Yeah. And I think like you're saying, like, it is powerful for people like yourself who is hot on the internet for a living to be like, yeah, I feel jealous too, everybody. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I am Mm -hmm. a human being too. Mm -hmm. And I think I get the same sort of like projection where people think I'm like little miss non-monogamy and I'm just like out here having no challenging (laughs) feelings or interactions with people. And it's like, no, Mm -hmm. I'm a fucking mess too. Like I have relational trauma too. Like I don't know. I'm a fucking mess for the podcast. (laughs) You're a fucking mess for the book. We're all just peopling, peopling around. We're, we're out here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and also for anyone who's curious, like, Elle, what are you afraid of? I mean, I'm afraid of what I think a lot of people are afraid of. Like, oh, what if this person, you know, is more desired to my partner and my partner, like, wants to interact with only them and not me? Like, that's actually out of my control. And mm-hmm. that means that's not a good fit for me as a partnership anyway. Well, and I feel like a lot of, like, what you're saying, too, is that a lot of jealousy is rooted in fears we have about ourselves anyway, right? So it's just like, oh, this person is actually going to be, like, more engaging than me. My fear is that, like, I'm not engaging enough. Mm -hmm. I'm not enough. There's something about me that isn't as good as this person. And a lot of that stuff you can work on yourself. Like, you don't Mm -hmm. need your partner to be living in this, like, bubble without looking at anybody hot. You know, mm-hmm. you can work on some of that stuff on your own, which do you want me to talk about line writing behavior? So when I'm working with couples where jealousy has been kind of a beast in the relationship, right? Like if they're coming in and the jealousy really is 
their main sort of topic. We talk about this um, concept that was written about by Ellen Bader and Peter Pearson in a book called Tell Me No Lies. And this book to me, it's a little bit dated. It's a little like heteronormative, but they do have this interesting um, piece in the book called Lie Inviting Behavior, Hmm. um, which I like to talk about in the sessions because what I want to talk about is kind of like, how is it that you react to your partner telling you the truth? Mm. So like, if I'm saying like, please just tell me, be honest with me. Like I want to value honesty in our partnership. And then you're like, okay, I kind of like think that this woman I follow on the internet is hot. And I have like a full tilt meltdown. I give mm-hmm. you the cold shoulder for five days. Mm-hmm. I'm like bringing it up all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sending the message to my partner that like I'm not a safe person to be honest with. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that like it's my fault if my partner is lying to me. But it does mean there are two components to this communication cycle. And one of them is about me and my reaction and my response. Mm-hmm. And Ooh. It also doesn't mean that, like, I have to be like, oh, you think that woman's hot? Like, hooray. Yeah, right. (laughs) But there needs to be some middle ground around me expressing my feelings in a way that is, like, honest and receptive and I'm responding instead of reacting by punishing you for telling me. Mm -hmm. Uh, When in doubt, I refer to simplicity and integrity. Um, and that could be something like, okay, thank you for telling me. That's really hard for me to hear. And I'm having an emotional response and I'm going to process it. And I appreciate you telling me that. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I think people like taking a beat to like digest what it is that's going on because then you can sort of do that like iceberg emotion check-in. So like the Gottmans talk about how anger as a feeling is an iceberg. So anger is the tip of the iceberg underneath the surface, there's all kinds of other things like being hurt or feeling like scared or whatever. Hmm. Jealousy, I think, is totally also an iceberg emotion or iceberg state of being where Hmm. jealousy is the tip of the iceberg. Underneath the surface, there's all kinds of other stuff going on. And Hmm. so like if you can take some time to be like, okay, whoa, I'm like feeling really jealous. And I need to figure out, like, what is this really about? Like, is this about the structure of my relationship? Like, is our relationship not structurally sound? Or Mm -hmm. is this something going on within me? Like, am I getting triggered or pinged about something about this person or about how this came up or whatever? So that you can actually find a solution. Because, like, there's not really a lot you can do about a feeling like jealousy if you don't understand what the root is. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a quick break. This is the Jealousy and Monogamy episode. Our guest is Yana Talon-Hicks. You can find her on Instagram. Yana, what are your pronouns? Are you she and they? I'm she, her. A lot of people they me and I'm okay with it, but it's not something I choose. (laughs) Okay. So you can find her at the underscore the spot on Instagram and yanatalonhicks.com. Find me on Instagram at stripperwriter. My website is lstanger.com. Please rate and review this podcast. And if you want to see bonus materials like my boobs and stuff and (laughs) uh, strip club dressing rooms, um, go to patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. trained to be a sex educator. I went to instituteforsexuality.com. If you do not need to be ASECT certified, you can take their shorter program. It's new. It's called Sweet Sexual Wellness Education and Enlightenment Training. It's about half the price of their regular program and you can do it at your own pace because it's all on demand. You can take it online. You can take one learning path at a time to make it more manageable financially. Go to instituteforsexuality.com and click on on-demand programs. You can check out their other classes too. This one we can, we kind of brought up some coping tools already, but the first question, what do you do when you are feeling jealous? Mm. Personally, name it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like 
first off, I'm trying personally, I'm trying to work on just like letting myself feel feelings that are unpleasant. <laughs> mm. I'm definitely someone who's a runner, like from my feelings, meaning like I will just get busier. Mm. When I feel a certain way, I will just get real busy, mm. which is a flight response. It's an mm -hmm. adult flight response where I'm like, I'm going to clean my house. I'm going to book more clients. I'm going to like, and so I don't have to feel I do that. Yeah. I do that. So it's like, okay, you got to feel, feel the situation out. Um, I think it's also important while you're feeling your feelings to take care of yourself in a nice, gentle way. So like, maybe you take a bath, maybe you like hang out with your dog, maybe you like watch a TV show, maybe you mm -hmm. masturbate, whatever helps you feel a little like taken care of. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you want to try to figure out what triggered the jealousy and what, what is it about? So like jealousy is really, it's a relational check engine light. And is the issue something within yourself or is it something structurally going on in the relationship? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this, and that can be really meaning that you have to be brutally honest with yourself and like, you know, does this person I'm jealous of, do I think they're more attractive than me? Do they make more money? Are there, you know, qualities in them that I wish I had? Um, and I think that can be really hard for us to do sometimes. Um, that's usually if I feel and it's rare, but if I feel actually jealous or like envy of someone, I'm always really curious to figure out why. Mm. Um, and for me, something I've noticed is when I, this is really funny when I was a kid and I would watch these interview shows um, and they would have a guest on. I loved it when the guest was like interested and compelling, but when they weren't, I would get really, really irritated and almost envious. I'm like, I want to be up there. I could do a better job than you. <laughs> so like, so now when I see sometimes people using their platforms and I feel like they're just wasting their time and getting a lot of attention for it, I'm like, no, fuck that. I'm going to spread my message and get my attention. So that's how I cope with professional envy. Honestly, it's not trying yeah. to tear other people down. It's just like, I want to make better shit. And I find that motivating. Yeah. And I think like there was something that came up earlier too. We we're talking about patriarchy stuff where sometimes I'm like, okay, am I like feeling jealous or pissy towards this other woman because of like patriarchal bullshit? Like why am mm -hmm. I competing with a woman for attention? Mm -hmm. From and a person. Yeah. Instead of competing with her in like, like you're saying, right? Like there's a professional competition that I think is actually quite healthy and has been relegated to men in the past. Mm. you know that I think it's actually really cool and interesting to be competitive colleagues in like a healthy way not like I'm gonna yeah. sabotage your work but yeah. it's like you know yeah. yeah we're like in this like we're pushing ourselves we're pushing each other to make better shit totally like ooh, and Yana has a book it, it's probably good I want to have Yana on my show so we can make good shit together yeah or you might read my book and be like ugh. I could have written this better. Okay, great. Do it, please. Right, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. So what do you do when you're feeling jealous? There's a lot of good tips there. And then also um, sometimes feeling jealous, yeah, can really motivate you, I think, to do good. Um, listener question two, what to do when your partner isn't handling their jealousy well and is lashing out? Um, is lashing out. Wait, yeah, we don't I know back, what that means. Mm -hmm. Can I back up for a minute too mm -hmm. about what to do with your own jealousy? Mm -hmm. um, I got distracted because a cat was trying to get in here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's also really helpful to find a friend that is someone like, you know, that person that you can say anything to and just tell them all the stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, if you have someone like, you can trust, yes. Yeah, I'm jealous of this. I'm scared of this. What if this? What if she's this? I feel like she's that. Whatever, whatever. And just like get it out. You know, mm -hmm. you don't have to stomp it all down. Or you could write it, write it out. Mm -hmm. Unless you're like me and then you're afraid of being extorted for anything you write down. So you just leave yeah. voice notes. That's legit. That's legit. That's how you know it's a juicy story. If I'm like, hold on, I got to voice note you this real quick. You're like, I have to write this in code. Yeah, pretty much. Um. Okay. Okay. So, so the question is what to do when your partner isn't handling their jealousy well and is lashing out. And this could be anything from like passive aggressiveness or like ignoring someone or cold shouldering, like you mentioned earlier, or mm. it could be like violence. So mm. there's a range. Um, yeah. Lashing out is hard. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, if there's violent lashing out, that's not a healthy relational structure. Get the fuck yeah. out. Yeah. Um, 
I think if it's something a little more like passive aggressive or even just sort of like conflictual, mm-hmm. um, I think it's important to name what's going on. So I think sometimes people will get really passive aggressive because they are feeling jealous, but they haven't been able to come to you and say like, hey, I feel really jealous about this person. Mm-hmm. So I think going approaching your partner and being like, hey, it seems like you feel really angry every time I interact with whoever. Um, are you feeling jealous? Is there something I'm doing in those interactions that you don't feel comfortable with? Like what's going on? Cause then mm-hmm. you can actually have a conversation. Mm-hmm. I think if someone is saying like, I'm jealous and also now I'm going to relentlessly lash out at you. That's also just sort of an indicator that the, re- like, is that, I don't know, is that the kind of relationship structure that you are okay with? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Where like, someone is getting triggered, they're refusing to look at it, they're refusing to find collaborative solutions to it, they're refusing to look at their own piece of it, and they're just going to continue to bulldoze you as a person, I feel like that might be a problem. Mm -hmm. I think it comes down to, like, how much do we care about each other to resolve this thing? Mm. Like, like, I want to be comfortable, and I want you to be comfortable, or I don't know, not even comfortable. I guess... hmm. Why are we doing this if it doesn't feel good to us? We want to feel good interacting with each other. How can we both feel better? Right. Yeah, because I think like when someone's just like relentlessly lashing out and really won't stop, they're not really thinking about you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And there are people, maybe some folks have experienced these people in their lives that always have a problem with everything you do Mm. and also refuse to collaborate or give feedback or help you do things better and that's Mm. because they just want to criticize everything you do um trying to cut those people still out of my life dad (laughs) (laughs) he'll never hear this anyway (laughs) my mom won't either but i still talk to my mom anyway um (laughs) But I think like you're saying, though, that there's like, um, like to me, I don't expect, I think jealousy is really challenging emotion. I think relationships can be very challenging. I don't expect anyone to be perfect at relationships. And I don't expect everyone to be perfect when they feel triggered, angry, scared, and jealous. I don't. I'm not for sure. <laughs> so like, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to like throw stones at glass houses. But I think there's a difference when like the person refuses to work on it or acknowledge it Mm -hmm. yeah obviously you're not gonna be able to solve everybody's problems so we're just gonna have to move on so this one is a cuter one listener question three my monogamous partner is a natural flirt and i love it for them i'm socially (laughs) anxious how can i cultivate my flirting oh well you know what i feel like for some people um anxiety is actually kind of cute and flirtatious i know i was gonna say be yourself be Be yourself yourself. because it also might just be your anxiety telling you that your anxiety is not flirtatious (laughs) um I i mean i think oh man someone i oh i really wish i could remember who said this so i could credit them correctly but they said a really good way to flirt with somebody is to mention something about them that has nothing to do with their physicality at all and is something that is like a small detail that you noticed. Oh, like I really like your handwritten notes you leave around the snacks in the office. That's a really sweet thing to do. Yeah, or, right. Or like let's yeah. say it's somebody who like makes you your coffee or whatever. You could be like, oh, I love how you always like choose like the tiniest mug for me because you know I like tiny things. Mm-hmm. Which, by the yeah. way, my local coffee professionals do that for me, and I <laughs> love it. <laughs> it makes me so happy. Aww. I um I worked a shift with um a co stripper I hadn't seen in some years, and I asked her if she still puts potato chips in her sandwiches, and she was like, "Aw, L, you remembered." <laughs> Well, people really want to be seen, you know, they want to know that you're paying attention to them. And I think that that is very, I think that is far more flattering than someone being like, I love your eyes. Like, obviously, I love it when people love my eyes. But it's like, okay, yeah, any old schmo can love my eyes. But like, what's (laughs) special about you? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I also think too, the partner sounds like they're good at flirting. So like, maybe just like, you know, observe, take some notes. What's so good Mm -hmm. about that? Why are they so good at flirting? Mm hmm. 
That's pretty cute. I like that someone wants to get better and that they appreciate that their partner can do it because it's really helpful to have a partner that is charming and socially, uh, I don't know, capable. It's really mm-hmm. hot and get stuff done. Totally. Okay. Listener question four. My partner's ex-wife cheated on them before they were even married, it turns out. And basically, I am now not trusted because of what the ex did. Any mm. suggestions? Yeah, this is what I like to call paying someone else's check. <laughs> Dang it. Not everybody likes that phrase, but I feel like it's visceral. Um, oh, yeah. I think it's fine. Yeah, I mean, so I feel like this is tough because it's going to be on the partner to heal their sense of trust in other people mm-hmm. is a big thing that the person that wrote that question isn't going to be able to do that self-work for that partner. But what they can do, so trust, this is what I tell my clients all the time, trust is experience built over time. Mm. And so give your partner an experience that is consistent over time. And it can be little, little tiny ways we build trust. So it's a good idea to ask your partner, what is trustworthy behavior to them? Like, how would they know that you're being trustworthy by like observable behaviors? So for me personally, I build a lot of trust with people when they say, when they do what they say they're going to do. Mm -hmm. Consistency. Consistency. If you say you're going to help me with the thing, help me with the thing. Like, don't make me nag you for helping me with the thing, (laughs) you know, a hundred times or whatever. Mm -hmm. Just like that consistency. For other people, it's transparency. So Mm -hmm. like if you're texting and like laughing at your phone and your partner is like getting that twinge of jealousy about that, you know, do them a solid, be transparent and just be like, oh, I'm just laughing about whatever with whoever, you know, give them that sort of like gift of transparency without making them have to ask. And again, this doesn't have to be the standard all the time. This can Mm -hmm. change when the trust goes up. But I think being erring on the side of being more communicative, more consistent and more transparent can help somebody build trust in you faster. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of go back to where your baseline might be, where it's like, I don't have to tell you why I'm laughing at my phone. <laughs> trust. <laughs> trust is what experience over time? Experience over time. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, I am going to build trust in a person if over time I experience them as being trustworthy. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's take another quick break. Everybody go to yanatalonhicks.com. If you are listening to the show, please rate or review us on your listening app if you can, because that's how more people find us. And visit my website, lstanger.com. You can find other writings on parenting, sex, uh, industry. Go to the search box. And let's look for now released Yonatown Hicks's book, Hot and Unbothered. How to think about, talk about, and have the sex you really want. You can get it anywhere you buy books. Yay! Did you know that Monistat and Vagisil can make your vagina so much more unhealthy and actually make it burn? So instead, I recommend Momotaro Apotheca's salves and oils check out their products i even use it to prevent razor burn because i shave pretty often down there use code stripper writer hey that's me for a discount and let us know how you like our products and stay tuned for an upcoming episode on vulva and vaginal health because i love talking to small business owners that are creating better products for our bodies and that includes our genitals Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. Thank you for voting us as the best Portland podcast. Ah, that means a lot. I am touched. John and I really appreciate it. John is your invisible editor. Some of you may remember him as my co-host season two of Strange Bedfellows podcast. That was my other podcast. Right now, we are talking with guest Yana Talon-Hicks all the way over in Massachusetts and Vermont area. Correct? Correct. Yeah. This is the jealousy and monogamy episode. 
So we are going to get some book recommendations from you in a couple minutes, but let's talk more about your book. What's your favorite thing about it? Uh, honestly, I'm just so happy it exists. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but personally, my favorite, I mean, my one of my favorite things about it is the illustrations by my my illustrator Rebecca Soto. She can be found at Art by Rebecca, and Rebecca is with one C. Mm. Um, and she just really brought all of my ideas about having the book be illustrated to life and like effortlessly. They're so beautiful. I feel like it makes the book feel really special. I really love all the practical worksheets in it because I feel like it takes sort of these like loftier concepts about sex and how to have sex that's really um, pleasurable and valuable to you and makes it applicable. But essentially, I just wanted people to have like a pocket size. I mean, the book is not pocket size, <laughs> but a pocket size version of like what it might be like to work with me as a client. And so the way that the book is laid out is really how I would lay out months of work with clients. Wow. And I always tell people, you know, $18 is a lot cheaper than months of work with me. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I hope it's like a little more accessible to people yeah. financially as well. But the, yeah. the last third of the book, I think, is my favorite part. Why? I think it's because it tackles like headier concepts that I personally am sort of like nerding out about <laughs> right now. Mm -hmm. And it's less about the first two thirds of the book are topics that I have talked about for years that are very mm -hmm. comfortable and in my wheelhouse. And so I think the last third kind of pushed my limits a little bit in a way that I like. Nice. Okay. So what were your recommendations? Yeah. So for books in terms of jealousy. So again, like I said a little bit ago, Keep in mind that I think a lot of the tools about relating and about dealing with jealousy can apply to non-monogamy and monogamy. I don't think we need to get hung up on the difference when we're talking about jealousy. Perfect. So there, there's a book called The Jealousy Workbook um, by Kathy Labriola. I'm not sure if that's how they actually pronounce their last name. Mm -hmm. um, and it is geared towards open relationships but honestly so much of the content is just really good for jealousy period kathy um, what's the last name labriola l-a-b-r-i-o-l-a -A. okay labriola who knows labriola. Sounds like, all right <laughs> and then um i really have you read poly secure yet no, I think I have it on a wish list. Yeah, I know it's hard to like read stuff that's our like industry adjacent, but it's pretty, it's an easy read. I crushed it pretty fast. And I really like this book because again, it's geared towards polyamorous relationships. However, it really actually is a book about attachment styles and how to um, create secure attachment within yourself so that external factors like jealousy or insecurity don't affect your attachment to your partner as badly. Hmm. And I just found that her work to be really easy to read and easy to apply. And mm -hmm. I recommend it to my monogamous clients all the time. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So those are the main ones. Anything else? Or I'm going to ask you yeah. more stuff. Jealousy, jealousy, jealousy. I don't, I mean, I think reading about attachment could be mm -hmm. helpful, but mm -hmm. I think PolySecure probably tackles attachment really well for okay. this particular context. Yeah. Reading um, about attachment has been very helpful for my jealousy because then it's kind of like, it's like, hey, if you're an anxious attacher, do you do these things such as look for reasons to interact with the person, think mm -hmm. about them a lot, listen to music that reminds you about them, like plan or daydream. And it's like, oh, my God, I do all those things. It sucks up a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, this person's living their life, you know, not obsessing over me. And it's been really, really, yeah, so helpful to like break down old behaviors and to recognize when I'm doing that shit. I think also with attachment, it's kind of a way to externalize the issue. So meaning like, oh, I'm jealous because like I suck, <laughs> you know, like I'm not pretty enough. I'm not accomplished enough. It's all about me, me, me and like what I am not. Yeah. And, and we I don't want to do that. No. And I think attachment helps you understand why your mm -hmm. behavior patterns and your thought patterns have developed in the way that they have. And mm -hmm. so it makes it feel like it is more malleable. It is more susceptible to being able to change mm -hmm. instead of just being like, well, this is how it is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, imagine I think about like a snowball effect 
you know, something starts out and then it just rolls bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and we could have addressed it before it gets too big. Um, so because I do interact with a lot of people I've dated and fucked, um, and I know that that can be uncomfortable for other people, including myself, if I don't have an understanding about what the relationship dynamics are like, I will very specifically, and in the beginning of new relationships, I will be like, oh, like if my phone lights up and like someone else is texting me and I'm like, oh, you know, I used to date this person. We still work together. And like, we text every once in a while to talk about blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, I you're okay with that. If you're not, let me know. But like they are in my life to this degree. Right. I just say shit like that. And yeah. that, that is an opportunity. <laughs> um, yeah. But again, like, like okay. you're talking about being like increasingly transparent, right? You're yeah. just sort of like, hey, like I'm not trying to be like shady about this. Like this yeah. is what this is. Like there's no yeah. reason for you to feel scared or insecure about my behavior in this situation because blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it can feel uncomfortable. And it's kind of like, yeah, test of the waters. Because I think we've also, I mean, I know we're also programmed to just don't ask, don't tell about previous partners. Right. Or some people will be like, oh, I'm, here's transparency. And they'll just tell you way, way, way. And you're like, <laughs> I don't need details about your sex life. You know, right. like, it's like brutal honesty. Yeah. Unless I want that. Um, so, yeah, little check ins. Okay. So you've given a lot of wonderful advice. Um, people can find you online. People, do you have a podcast? No. No, but everyone wants me to. Okay. Maybe that'll <laughs> take you four years and you'll have a podcast. Oh you said my God. I would do a podcast if someone else did all of the producing <sighs> of the things. Because you know, I as- <laughs> for that shit. Yeah, as the person who does producing for almost all of the things, except for thanks, John, for your help. Um, yeah, I totally feel that. I would love to just walk into a studio and talk and walk out. Yeah. <laughs> um, production. Um, but we're millennials. We're doing it DIY. Oh, yeah. Can. yeah. The only way. Yeah. Okay. So, Yana, I ask every guest this. Do you have any last sex tips for our audience? Hmm. Last sex tips for the audience. I would say talk about sex outside of sex itself. So over snacks, over tea, on a walk, in the car, talk about sex. Mm. You don't Mm. have to relegate it to this little island off the coast of your real life. Sex can be about your real life. In your real life, talk about it when you're not naked. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I really like the walking one too because I'm like – pounding out the energy. Totally. I think we do a lot of good processing when we're walking because the bilateral movement engages your brain in a way that it reduces anxiety. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yard work, hopscotch, jumping jacks, yeah. all that, your inner child stuff. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So thank you, Yana, so much, everybody. We appreciate you for listening. Go by Hot and Unbothered, how to talk about, think about, and... So close. (laughs) Dude, no, this is my own book and it takes me it took me a really long time to remember the subtitle. Okay. My book is called Hot and Unbothered, How to Think About, Talk About, and Have the Sex You Really Want. Yay. And I do love that art cover. Art by Rebecca with one C. Yes. All right, cool. Thank you so much. See you on the internet, friend. Yeah, see you on the internet. Thanks for having me. Until next time. Bye. Lots of us know to grab a towel when we're on our period for period sex, but what if you could just get the layer? Try getthelayer.com because it's not just a sex blanket. It's great for not ruining sheets, bedding, furniture, Whether you're on your period, whether you're a squirter, whether you're just trying to be polite, it's black, it's discreet, you can get 10% off when you get thelayer.com and use the code L-E-L-L-E, all caps, my name. Try it out. Let me know how you like it. It is my travel companion. Get the layer.com.